All right, so Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. It's so close, we, we can see it. We can see the table, the turkey, the stuffing. If you try hard, you can almost smell it, right? You can smell the food, the fresh baked bread. If you're really skilled, you can smell the, the dessert table. Just a little bit further down, the pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie cheesecake, and all sorts of creations they come up with for, for Thanksgiving meal. And when we have all that, when we have our family coming together, we have all the food, it's real easy to give thanks to God under those circumstances. But what about, what about the times it's difficult to give thanks to God? What about the times when, like just looking at my own life right now, recently my, my, pay, my work hours have been reduced and my pay has been cut. So I, I work part-time, I go to school full-time, and here I am looking at the prospect of unemployment in January. So there's times where it's hard to give thanks to God, or there's times where we don't have our family around us, whether it's due to travel, it's due to our, our worst situations, a split in the family, a divorce, those who are just without family, uh, those who have lost a loved one in this year, and those are the tough, tough times to give thanks to God. And when we, when we come across that question, we start to wonder, why, why should I give thanks to God? Why should we give thanks to God on Thanksgiving, especially in the hard times? And it, it helps, I think, two things. Of course, looking at Scripture, but if we look at history, the fact that Thanksgiving is an American holiday, we look at its roots. And it came about in, oh, we, we have the pilgrims, of course, but, but I, I like to look at, at the proclamation of Abraham Lincoln. This came in October of 1863. So the Civil War is not yet ended. The Civil War doesn't end for like another six months. The Battle of Gettysburg took place that summer, the bloodiest battle of the war of about 51,000 casualties. So imagine that was about 8,000 killed, about 30,000 wounded, and about 15,000 missing. The population of Richardson is 104,000. So imagine half the population of Richardson dead, wounded, or missing in a span of three days. And that, that's from that Abraham Lincoln writes the nation. He writes a proclamation saying to set aside the last Thursday of November to give thanks and praise to God. So it seems kind of amazing that even, even Abraham Lincoln knew that our thanks and our praise aren't supposed to be tied only to the gifts we receive to God, from God. It shouldn't be only in the good times. It's not only about the, the blessings we receive, but it's, we give thanks to God because of who he is. And I think when we look to scripture, especially our passages today, Psalm 100, we see reasons to give thanks to God based on who he is and what he is. So in Psalm 100, we see that we should give thanks to God because he is our creator, he is our shepherd, and he is a covenant keeper, he is a promise keeper. Let's go ahead and turn to that passage and see reasons to give thanks to God. Before we get to the text, if you just look at the superscript, Psalm 100 comes as a superscript. Many, many psalms do. Some of them say a psalm of David. They tell you who wrote the psalm. Some of them say background, like Psalm 53 will say 
when Nathan the prophet went to David, when he went to Bathsheba, and so it gives us context of why the psalm was written. Other superscripts tell us musical instruction, like for the choir, director, for stringed instruments, so on and so forth. This psalm has a superscript that says a psalm for thanksgiving. So it tells us what the psalm is for. So of 150 psalms, this is the only one that says a psalm for thanksgiving. Now there are many thanksgiving psalms. Uh, they're not titled that way, but they're thanksgiving psalms and most of them have come across like, because the Lord has vindicated me in front of my enemies, I, I will give thanks and praise to him. Or because the Lord has lifted me from the pit, I will give him thanks and praise. So, so it's kind of this, because the Lord did something for us. But this psalm, the psalm for thanksgiving in the Bible, is about who God is, not about what he's done for us. So read it with me. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. So as we, again, we look at that first idea of giving thanks to God for who he is. The first image we see, well, first off, we see in verse 3 that he is God. I mean, God is God. There's no other real way to come, a composite word that kind of gives us all of his characteristics. So we see that he, the psalmist unpacks it a bit when he says it, it is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. So that's, that's saying that God is our creator. And to understand that, we kind of have to look at how do we look at creators today, people who make things. So like if you're a student, I know we have some students here, uh, we have plenty of students here. If you write a paper and you turn, you turn your work in, you want a grade, right? You want recognition for your work, especially if you put a lot of work into it, you expect an A, maybe a B. You know, we, we want something for the work, the things we make, our intellectual property. If I write a book and that book's a bestseller, and it makes all this money, I don't want the money from that book, right? Uh, at the very least, if I'm you know, altruistic, I'm like, oh, don't worry about the money, keep the money, donate it to a good cause. At the very least, I want my name on the book, right? I want my name, I want my picture on the jacket. And like, I wrote this book, you know? And uh, I want recognition. Now, if those, if those don't quite set the picture, there's, um, there's this movie, it's a true story, based on an inventor named Robert Kearns. And the movie came out in 2008. It's called Flash of Genius. And it's about Robert Kearns, who's the inventor of the intermittent windshield wiper. So if you guys, younger guys like me who don't know, before 1969, that didn't exist. The intermittent windshield wiper is the setting you set for your windshield. So like yesterday, when it's misty, you can have it to low. And later in the day, when it's pouring, you can set it to high and adjust the speed of the windshield wipers. In 1969, that did not exist. So this guy, who's frustrated with his driving and, and light rain and with his crazy windshield wiper, made his own system, installed it into his car, and tried to sell it to the automotive in industry. And they all turned him down. However, Ford Motor Company somehow convinced them to, to, to get his invention. They took it apart. They you know, reverse engineered it, said, we don't want it. Don't worry about it. And the next year, they released cars 
with that windshield wiper system. So this guy, Robert Kearns, spent the next 30 years of his life in court battles trying to get recognition for his invention. At a certain point, Ford offered him $30 million to just drop it, to walk away, take the money, and he wouldn't take it because of the principle of the matter. It's his invention. He made that. He wanted, wanted the recognition for it. And so after 30 years, he eventually won his battle. He got the recognition. He didn't get as much money. And he also, his wife left him in the process. He had four sons and two daughters. They basically grew up without a father because all of his energy and effort went into getting that recognition. And while it wasn't a great thing, I can understand that. I think some of us here can probably understand the desire to, to want, if you make something, you, you believe you deserve credit for it. So if we're willing to think that someone who creates a windshield wiper is so much worthy of recognition for what he's made, isn't God, the creator of everything, worthy of our thanks and praise? Because he's created all things? And of course, the answer is yes. So the first thought is that to give thanks to God because he is our creator. The next thing we see, that image of, of thanking God because he is God, is, is he is a shepherd. It says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And I don't really have a good imagery for sheep. Uh, most of us here, if you're like me, you're probably city boys. Even though we're Texans, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm. I know Ed's looking at me like, I know all about farming. Ed knows, how, knows what, you know, livestock is like and being on a farm. But me, um, yeah, I don't even like animals that much. I'll be honest. My wife, we went, we went to the, uh, we went to the Texas, uh, the state fair, and, they, and my wife said, "Oh, Allie, let's go, to, let's go to the petting zoo." And I'm looking at Alice and like, I don't, I don't want to go to the petting zoo. There's, <laughs> it smells. It's like poop and hay and smelly animals. She wants me to pet things and take pictures with it. I can't remember if it was a llama or a camel, but something. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I, no, if it's going to spit on me. I know if I go over there, this town's going to spit on me. So, so I don't have a, a big knowledge of what it's like to be a shepherd. But what I do know is what it's like to be a soldier. And there's some overlap, overlapping roles there. Soldiers and shepherds are leaders. They're protectors. And they're willing to sacrifice. So we see that, just my own experience, I was a platoon leader in Iraq. And I understand that I'm responsible for leading these men well and leading them so well that that can bring them all home alive and in, in one piece. And I'm also responsible you know, to the man on my left and to my right and willing to put my life down for that, for that soldier. In the same way, we look at scripture, Psalm 23, for example, tells us, the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. He leads us to green pastures. He leads us in the path of righteousness. So, so we know God is a leader, the shepherd. We see that he protects us. We, we look at the New Testament, and we see in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. No one gets to the sheep except through me, because he's defending, protecting. He also says, I lay down my life for the sheep. So he's, he, that's the shepherd. And if we're willing to, just two or three weeks ago, and I, I like this because, like I said, I'm a veteran. so. Last two weeks ago, we had Veterans Day, and we give thanks for our veterans, and I love it because people will buy me dinner, or, or you know, if you go to the airport, you maybe buy a soldier a meal because they're wearing their uniform. Uh, you get all these discounts, Applebee's and places give you veterans discounts. It's a great day for me. But as Americans, we we understand to give thanks to our veterans because they protect us, 
because they lay down their life for us. But shouldn't we also give thanks to God even more, who is our shepherd, who protects us always, and, and send his son to die for our sins? So that's the next reason to give thanks to God, is because he is our shepherd. It's because of who he is. As we kind of go to our last reason, it's in verse 5. It says, For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. I would love to mostly just say that, that that's about God being good. But it's not, it's more than that. If we look at those other words, his loving kindness and his faithfulness, that's really what it's about. Every time we see those two words, loving kindness and faithfulness in the Old Testament, that's about the fact that God's a covenant keeper. That word loving kindness is the Hebrew word hesed. We probably heard that a few times. Hesed is this covenant love. It's this love that, that we, we can't really understand in regular terms. But the fact that God is, is a covenant keeper. And when we look at things today, we try to look at good people. But, but it's hard because we don't really have good people here. I mean, we're all flawed. If we look at, kind of pick on celebrities, uh, so, so forgive me, but we, we look at people who have a track record for letting us down and we still esteem them. Usually like celebrities, football players, people who do these terrible things and one year they're out, next year they're at the top of the pile, right? Uh, one actor, and I think he's a great actor, uh, Robert Downey Jr. If those of you guys who remember are old enough, you know, he was a teenage actor, he was, did some great movies, he got in trouble with drugs, and there was this roller coaster of doing well, doing a movie, and people were like, oh man, he's doing great. Next thing you know, he's in rehab, then he's doing great, then he's in rehab, then he's in another TV show, then he's in jail. And then, and then he, finally, he finally does come on, out on top. He's doing well, he's clean, uh, he's made the Iron Man series, and he's made uh, the Sherlock Holmes series, and, and he's getting all this acclaim and esteem. But here's a guy who's continually let people down, and yet we, we, we hold him up on a pedestal. Another, and this is, um, this is a shock to me, someone I grew up watching on TV was Bill Cosby. Everybody saw Bill Cosby as like the, the America's number one dad, and all the th things aren't confirmed. Um, we see there, there's controversy in his life that, that, that kind of just lets us down. So even the good people in our lives let us down. The people we, we expect to do well let us down. The people who continually let us down, we still uphold and esteem. I'd imagine five, ten years from now, Bill Cosby will, will be just fine. He'll be back on top and we'll have forgotten any, any wrongdoing he's done. And, and that's fine and good when it comes to forgiveness. But if we're willing to, to esteem and give thanks or, or elevate people who let us down all the time, Shouldn't we give our ultimate thanks and praise to God, who is always faithful, who always keeps his promise, whose covenant love and faithfulness is for all generations and for all time? And of course, the answer is yes. So we think of giving thanks to God, not just for what he gives us. Those are good reasons. There's precedence in the Bible that says to give thanks to God when we get blessings. But more importantly, we're to give thanks to God for who he is. He is our shepherd. He is our creator, and he is a covenant keeper, a promise keeper. So now that we kind of get the sense of why to give thanks to God, the next question, of course, is, is how. And there's two, at least two reasons here, and they're both in the verse 1 and 2. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him 
with joyful singing. So I look at the kind of beginning and ending of that passage or that section, and the first thing that comes to mind is, is singing. And for some of you, you're like, yes, I love singing. Singing is my favorite. You're like, you're like Buddy the Elf. You know, the singing, singing is just the best thing in the world. And you love to sing, and that's great. And if you do, keep on singing to the Lord. But really, the challenge to me is for guys like me, or if you're like me and you don't really like to sing, you're that guy that kind of sings like this real low when everyone else is singing. Because, you know, I don't want to torture people with my singing voice. Uh, but, but I think that challenge is, is for, for guys, that, for, for all of us to sing. But especially those who, who probably don't like it a whole lot. And so my challenge would be to, to sing to God, not just here in church, not just on Sundays, but on your own, at home. Learn a worship song and sing it to God. Better yet, teach your families, teach your children worship songs and sing those together as a family and make that part of your worship, part of your thanks and praise to God through song. And the second, at the beginning of verse 2, says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Of course, we know that the Lord doesn't need anything. The scripture says he's, he owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. You know, he doesn't really need us to serve him. But in the New Testament, we see the parable of the goats and the sheep. And he says, what you've done for the least of one of these, you have done for me. So we serve God by serving others and by serving joyfully. So this is the perfect time. We see plenty of opportunities to, to offer our service at a, at a homeless shelter, at a kitchen, or we can go through our closets, we can find blankets and gloves and hats and coats or any of these things we have extra of and, and give those to the poor, give those to the homeless. We can, there's many ways to serve. We can invite people to our, fam to our house for Thanksgiving who are traveling, who, are, who don't have family to spend Thanksgiving with. There's numerous, numerous ways to serve others right now this season. And that's, things to think about. So as I kind of just review our reasons to thank God is, is not for what he does, but for who he is. That he's our creator, he's our shepherd, and he's a covenant keeper. And, and the ways we do that is through song and through service. And I challenge you guys to, to do those, if not both of those, at least one of those. And the bigger challenge and I think of this when I, when I read this psalm and I look at the fact that Abraham Lincoln made this a national holiday, it's not so much that Thanksgiving's something we do once a year in the month of November. It's Thanksgiving is an American holiday, but it's also a Christian imperative. It's something we should do all the time. And that's what I want to leave you with, that thought, to, to thank God all the time for who he is. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for our...